Glory to His name. Amen. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. Let's talk about that risen Savior together. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is on page 1150 in that pew Bible right there in front of you. 1150 Matthew chapter 28. In just a moment, we will stand and read the first 10 verses of that together. Before we stand and read, I'd like to present to you two questions for you to consider in the next few minutes as we are together. Number one, have you come to a place in your life that you know for certain that you have eternal life and will go to heaven when you die? Let me re-ask that question, how it's being informed in my life a little bit more. Same question said differently. When you stand before the Father, and we all will stand before the Father one day, Will Jesus say that He knows you because of a real expression of faith that you placed in Him? Question number one. Question number two. Are you living the life of a Christ follower? Are you running the race effectively and obediently for Jesus? You see, these are the two, two of the most important questions that a person must consider and must act upon in their lives. These questions are a matter of life and death. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Make something very clear today. God loves you. He loves you today. He doesn't just love you today. He loved you yesterday. He's loved you every day. And regardless of how you feel about Him, He will always love you. God desires, because of that love, to have a personal relationship with you. So let's stand together on this Easter Sunday morning and read from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. Matthew chapter 28, picking up in verse 1, says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come. See the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! 
So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to walk back through this quickly and then talk about a couple of things. Choir, I will try my best not to forget that you're back here. And if I don't do a good job, you let me know. And if, if I talk to the choir too much, I'm sorry. This is all just, you know, really confusing. But I, <laughs> but I, but I like it. But verse 1 says, after. Now, church, we need to understand that that means after the Sabbath after the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, we spent a lot of time Friday night reading Matthew chapter 26 and Matthew chapter 27 to get to this point. So as a church, we are in context. We've not skipped any verses uh, as we've walked through this. It says in verse 1 that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. Mark chapter 16 verse 1 says that the women brought spices that they may anoint him to anoint the body of Jesus. That's what Mark said. Luke chapter 24, his account of the resurrection said that they came bringing spices which they had prepared. Church, can I tell you this? Christian, can I tell you this? Seeker of God, can I tell you this? Choir, can I tell you this? They came prepared that Easter Sunday morning to take care of a dead body of Jesus Christ. Let's be clear. In these verses in the beginning, they did not expect Jesus to be risen. Scripture goes on and says that they arrived at the site of the tomb, the site where Jesus was buried, and they know where it is. This is not the wrong place because if you go back into Matthew chapter 27, they were right there in that place, and Scripture points out to us that they saw where he was laid. So we don't have to worry about are they in the wrong place. Verse 2 tells us that an angel of the Lord descended and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love how each of the gospel writers have their own perspective. And I encourage you to take the gospel accounts from all of, I mean, yeah, the resurrection accounts from all of the gospels and sort of read them and weave them together. They create such a very detailed story that we can see. A couple of statements for our thinking, and I'm always blown away, because it says an angel came and rolled the stone away. I wonder how many angels wanted to be this angel. That wanted to be the one that said, oh, can I go do it? Can I, can I go roll that stone away? I just wonder. You know, maybe we should get that excitement. You know, this angel said, this is such good news. Can I just go and be the one that rolls it away so that they can see what's happened. You know, maybe we should have that excitement when it comes to our lost family members and our friends and our neighbors and strangers that we haven't met. Maybe we should desire to go, man, I want to be the one who tells them about Jesus. You know, church, sometimes we don't get excited about things like this. And we should. And we should. But I wonder how many times, how many angels go, oh, I want to be that angel. But I want to be really clear about what this angel did. This angel did not roll away the stone so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. This angel rolled away the stone so that those could see inside that Jesus had been resurrected and had arisen on this Easter Sunday morning. 
Jesus did not need help getting out. We needed help seeing in. And then one other statement for our thinking is, what were we to see this morning as we look into the tomb? Let's see if we can go back all of these years. And We are with Mary and the other Mary, and we walk up to the tomb, and we know what we're expecting because we know what we've prepared for. And we get there, and we hear this earthquake, and we see this, and the stone is rolled away, and we get this opportunity to peek into the tomb. What are we supposed to see? Church, can we just tell you what you're supposed to see? Nothing. Nothing. Because Jesus is alive. There is nothing in that tomb. There was Jesus dead, buried. But Jesus is alive. In verse 6, the angel says, He's not here. He is risen, as he said. And it's interesting, when you go back and you read Scripture, and I pray that you just take time to sometimes just read Scripture, but go through the Gospels and see how many times Jesus, and it's pretty easy, just get you a red-lettered Bible, and go through, and as you're reading, they'll write down every time Jesus alluded to the fact that he was going to die, alluded to the fact that he was going to live, alluded to the fact that he was going to be resurrected. He talks about it quite a bit. But take that time. But the angel said, he's not here, he's risen, as he said. He's going to remember, Jesus said this to you. Allow me to restate what the angel of God said to the women. He's not here. He is risen. Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. Jesus had been, mic check time, resurrected from the dead. Amen. Jesus is alive. Choir, do you believe Jesus is alive? Absolutely. Do you know there's a big difference between what we say we know and what we say we believe? And if you go through the accounts of the gospel about the resurrection time, there is a transition between most people because they had heard what Jesus had said, but until they experienced him resurrected-wise, that's what transitioned them from knowing something to believing something. And I pray today, church, that it is your desire to believe something. You know, Christianity is alive and well. People can talk about it all they want to. Yeah, we're not perfect people. That's why Jesus came. We don't do perfect things. That's why Jesus came. But let me tell you, since Jesus is alive, Christianity is going to be just fine. This event, these events define God's redemptive plan for all mankind. If this were sheet music, this would be the crescendo that the right word? The high point? Church, we need to understand that what we're talking about today, nothing else matters if it's not true. And everything matters because it is. This is the pinnacle moment of a Christian believer. And so therefore, we should get a little excited about the truth because it gives us life. The angel gives these women three commands. Number, in verse 5, number 1, he says... Do not be afraid. You know, fear is a big challenge in this world today. But can I tell you, because of Jesus, that death is conquered. Sins can be forgiven. You can have a personal relationship with God restored because Jesus paid the debt for your sin, your debt, and your sin. With a God this loving, this powerful, we should not be afraid of death, 
or of life, of anything else. He says, don't be afraid. The second thing he tells him in verse 6, he said, come, see a place. The place where Jesus was laid, the place where he was resurrected, this angel said, there's nothing to hide. Come and see. Church, can I tell you, that's what we're called to do. Come and see a risen Savior. And then verse 7, go quickly and tell. You know, it didn't say, go away. It said, go quickly with the purpose to tell. This news is so important, so life-changing, that everyone must hear about it. Go and tell now. Go and tell them quickly. Go and tell them. You know, life is short. We had two funerals this week, just in our church family. Scripture says life is but a vapor. Here today and, and then gone. It's important what we believe. It's important that we go quickly and tell people. But I wanted to stop for just a second and, and take a moment to share with you why Jesus is alive is such great news. And what God has been planning for all of eternity leading up to the cross. And what God desires to do with the message of Jesus' resurrection. Let me just run through a couple of things, actually, just more than a couple of things. John 3.16 tells us that God loves us and has a purpose for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you that God loves you? God loves you and desires an everlasting relationship with you. But it goes on, Scripture teaches, that as we search for meaning in life, as we begin to try to figure out how to fill that hole that we all have attempted to fill in many different ways, that our sin keeps creating a problem for us. Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that because of that sin, we each deserve death and hell, separation from God. Do you know what happens when you stand before God without a belief in the risen Savior? You're separated from God forever. Forever. Romans 5.8 said, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that we were, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know that God knew that you and I were going to struggle in our relationship, but he sent Jesus anyway. God saw our hopeless state and had always planned to send his son Jesus to die on the cross and to be resurrected as our Savior. Now, let's get to the controversial point of today. John 14, 6, Jesus' very own words, he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, Salvation is God's goal and desire for you, and it comes through me. Church, we need to understand why we go and tell quickly. There is only one way to God, only one way to salvation, only one way to redemption, and that is through Jesus. It's not through any other way. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe, remember that's not knowledge, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Placing faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior is something that each person must do for themselves. It is the most personal of personal responsibilities. You remember the first question I asked you? And you're going, well, maybe. Let me just read it to you again. Have you come to a place in your life that you know for certain you have eternal life and will go to heaven when you die? Or remember, I rephrased it. When you stand before the Father, will Jesus say that He knows you based upon a real profession of your faith? Did you know that this could be the moment where your knowledge turns into belief? This could be the moment where the foolishness of the gospel becomes the power of God for life. This could be the day for you to believe, to ask for Jesus to come into your life, to be forgiven of your sins, and to be your personal Savior. And I just want to stop for just a second. And you guys see me every week. We don't do this very often. But if right now, in this, in this moment, all of us here, whether we're in the choir, whether we're in the media room, whether we're online, whether you're sitting in the balcony or on the floor, if today you desire to ask Jesus to be your Savior, I want you to silently pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and died to forgive me of my sins. I know I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. I want to follow you. I turn from my sin and place my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for the gift of a full and meaningful life now and for eternity in heaven. Amen. I mentioned to you that there was going to be some participation. You guys remember this? Maybe you've got it handy right here. And you know, I've already said, hey, tell us who you are. I've already said, if you want to be a part of manna, write the word manna. If you want to be part of Secret Church, write the word secret. Here's what I want you to do. If today you just prayed to receive Christ, or you are openly interested in hearing more about Jesus and His love and plan and purpose for you, I'd like you to write one word on the back of your worship register. Write the word saved. S-A-V-E-D. If you write that, and you follow along with everybody else and drop this in one of the baskets as you're walking out, I will contact you this week. We will find time to talk, have a conversation, pray together, answer any questions that you may have. That's the word saved. The tomb is empty today. Jesus is alive. We have two commands in this day. Come and see. This is a personal recognition. And then remember what they said? They, Jesus said, go and, or the angel said, go and tell. How could we ever know the greatest gift ever and not run to tell those that, who, that do not know? Remember that second question I asked you? I asked you, I said, are you living a life of a Christ follower? Now, of course, if you do not yet know Jesus as your Savior, you can't answer this question because, or you can't answer it would be no. 
But if you claim Jesus as your Savior today, are you living the life of a Christ follower? Are you running the race effectively and obedient for Jesus? Here's what I want you to do. Everybody take your Bible that wants to. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If you're in that pew Bible, I'll go ahead and give you a bonus. It's on page 1,383 in the pew Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll give you a moment to get there. I knew that Hebrews chapter 12 was going to be a part of today before I knew which gospel account we were going to come through. God just laid this on my heart. I knew this is where we're supposed to go. Now, as a segue as we're getting there, um, I have run, not in a while, 10 marathons. And the last marathon I ran, I ran with Michael, and we ran it in April of 2019. Michael, that's how long it's been since we ran that last marathon. I can tell you that in every marathon I have run, there is a thing that is real. It's called the wall. You just get to the point where your body or your mind or your heart or any two or three of them working together go, I'm done with this. I can't do any more. But let me tell you a cool thing about this wall. You can push through it. Did I tell you I finished 10 marathons? Because when you hit the wall, you just have to push through it. So take that sort of application as we read into Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read verses 1 through 3. It says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Note there in verse 2, this phrase, Jesus endured the cross. Well, I went and looked up that word endured. I thought I had a pretty good idea what it meant. But endure says to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding. Endure, the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. And Scripture teaches us here in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus endured the cross. And we are told why. Why did Jesus endure the cross? Look also in verse 2. For the joy set before him. What joy? Jesus made it through Friday because he kept his eyes fixed on Sunday. Jesus made it through Friday because of the joy that he saw. Scripture says that he despised the shame, which meant that he said, that shame is not worth me feeling because of the joy. He made it through Friday because of you on his heart. Just you. Jeff, are you saying that if I was the only one in the world, Jesus would have died just for me? The answer is yes. He would have died just for you. 
Resurrection Sunday, victory over sin and death, this would be the day that he would be with the Father Sunday. Jesus despised the shame. He said, it's not worth it. He said, the shame is worth it to fulfill what the Father wants. Now, this past Wednesday, we're studying through Psalms on Wednesdays, and Psalm chapter 30, verse 5 says this, For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Jesus was fixed on fulfilling the loving will of his Father. Jesus made it through Friday because he knew what Resurrection Sunday could mean to you. Aren't you glad that Jesus endured? But it's interesting. If you go back and read Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, the word endure, or one of its related words, is used three times. Jesus is not the only one called out in the Scripture that is supposed to endure. Verse 1 said, let us run the race with endurance. You are called to live a life in view of Resurrection Sunday. There is a finish line to all those who endure. We are to endure by seeing a great cloud of witnesses, the Scripture says, who have endured before us. Do you know why you can do this? Because you have testimony after testimony in God's Word of people who did. And you know people who have. We just had funerals for two of the most precious ladies this week. Miss Glendale Harris and Miss Rachel Dunnigan. They were precious because they lived their lives for Jesus. You can endure. We are also to endure by laying aside the temporary weights of this life. One thing I know, we pray for it every Sunday morning. When people come in to the church, they usually are carrying a burden of some kind. Or burdens of some kind. Something that has happened. Something that is happening. Something that they're concerned may happen. And we pray for you every Sunday morning. But this scripture says that through Jesus, you can endure by laying aside the weights of this life. But it also goes on to say that sometimes those burdens that we carry are not weights that the life has placed on us. It's because of the sin that's entangled us that we are to lay that sin aside as well. We endure by following the example of Jesus. We endure, we complete the race by counting all of this as worth it when compared with being with the Father. If you already know Jesus as your Savior, then this Resurrection Sunday, God's Word to you says, endure. Re-up, renew, re-energize, get excited, be a part of what God says. You see, this is not a moment in time. As a church, we revisit this Scripture annually, if not multiple times during the year, because it's so vital and important. This is the crescendo, the pinnacle of our faith. We should think about this moment. And as such, this moment should help us endure. Tell you about audience participation, right? Tell us who you are. Tell us about manna if you want to be a part of that. Tell us about secret if you want to be part of secret church. And if all of a sudden you prayed that prayer with me because you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior until just now and you prayed, or you want to find out more information, you wrote the word saved. 
for the rest of you, for everybody else, here's what I want you to do. If you desire today to allow the empty tomb, the resurrection, the joy that Jesus had to count it worth it, to renew your heart, your soul, your attitude, that you desire to run this race more effectively for the Lord. Here's what I want you to write on the back of your worship register. Endure. E-N-D-U-R-E. Endure. I will get all of these, and I will be praying with you and for you as you desire to allow this Easter to propel you toward a life bringing glory and honor unto God. Easter is a day that we are reminded of God's love, of God's purpose, of God's desire to save us, and of God's desire to help us endure. Amen? Amen. Church, you've had a lot of things to decide about today. And you don't owe me a single thing. Easter is not about me. Easter is about you and the Lord. And I pray that you'll allow Him to have His way. Now we're going to have a time of invitation. Perhaps you go, Jeff, I wrote down saved on the back of my worship register and I don't want to just throw it in a basket. I want to tell people that happened, that what happened in my life right now. Well, this invitation, it's time for you to come. Perhaps this altar is open and you go, I've been living my life sort of just floating between Easter and Easter, and I want to endure. I've been hitting the wall. I've been thinking about slowing down, maybe even quitting. But now, because Jesus endured for the joy, I want to re-up and I want to endure. And perhaps you go, Jeff, I'm going to put that in the basket, but I want this church to know, or I want to come and, and pray at the altar. I pray that you will do just that. If you want to make other decisions, I'm here. The altar is here. Come and pray. But this Easter Sunday could be that day that you hearken back to for years and years ago. Remember that day, I let the Lord do whatever He wanted in my life. Amen?